see here. How's how are you doing? Pretty good. Where are you, where are you watching? I was just watching a, a a Let's Play video of Shining Force Three by Marauder. YouTube user for what Marauder EX. Okay, not YouTube uh, user five four seven. No, that was really one of your best jokes ever. What it means is there's a name that he really wanted, but he's like, okay, I'll just put a number at the end of it. Yeah, I'll settle for mediocrity. So, Neil, any luck on finding someone for Gargoyles? No. No, I haven't. Listeners, we're looking for some guests for Gargoyles. Uh, I, I think it's okay. I think it's overrated, as yeah. is Weissman himself. And uh, Neil's a little bit stronger than I am on on that. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's just bleh. It's not as good as people say it is, huh? No. <laughs> it's a cool idea. I, you got you got gargoyles who turn to stone during the day. You got a you got a castle that's mounted on top of a building in the middle of New York. I mean, all that sounds really cool. It's just that, God, the execution. I suppose the first season was okay. But well, the funny thing is, uh, season one was written by Michael Reeves, who I actually made fun of for writing the majority of Ninja Turtles, but I think it got a lot better after that. <laughs> So I guess one cartoon can't kill a person's writing career. No. But he actually, actually, the funny thing is, as much as Greg Weissman likes to talk about how much he did for that show, I don't see any story by credits or writing credits for him from him at all. You know, you know, it's mostly Frank Parr and Michael Reeves. That's interesting. What I love is Neil's theory of the two or more teams on season two. That's that's going to be really interesting when we finally do that show. Or even if it wasn't teams, it seems to have been. Simultaneous production. Yeah, it's like it's like there was a theme for part of the season and then it switches. Like Bonkers. That literally happened on Bonkers where, see, where like uh, they had both seasons being created at the same time and and they didn't know which was going to air first. And the first season was like ripping off Roger Rabbit with the surly cop teaming up with the cartoon character. Yeah. And then they, they were also working on this, this much more lighthearted one where the cute blonde cop is working with the cartoon character. Yeah. And it's completely different writing team and, and, and animation directors on, on both of them. And when bonkers came out, it's like, it, it's, it's actually as a child, I found it jarring, but then again, you know, with bonkers to begin with is a Roger rabbit ripoff anyways. Right. Yes. Yes. He was the simultaneous production thing. Those are the only two examples I can think of that did that. Well, didn't Transformers sort of do that? Yeah, they did. I don't think there was a production split necessarily, but it seems like uh, in production order, there was a very clear wall of separation. It gets mixed up because they aired them out of order, but if you put them in production order, the first 15 episodes of season two feel like season one episodes where uh, they're concentrating more on Megatron's sinister plot of the day. Uh, that's where you get Attack of the Autobots, Autobots Spike, The Immobilizer, At Atlantis Arise, Day of the Machines, and Nightbird. But then you hit Dinobot Island, and suddenly it's all about introducing the new 85 toy line. And then from there you go to episodes like Make Tracks, The Secret of Omega Supreme, The Golden Lagoon, The Master Builders. All of these centered around introducing one or more characters. And then at the very tail end of the season, you hit the episodes where they're introducing... The, the season three characters that are kind of moved forward to the end of season two, like all the combiner teams, or suddenly it's like, okay, you know, we have to introduce all these new toys that are coming up for the Christmas season. 
in for the movie. Well, they weren't in the movie. Uh, those characters came out so late that they couldn't write them into the movie. But well, the combiners were in the movie. Only, only Devastator, and he was he was late season one. Mm. Yeah. So but, you, uh, you talk, you're talking about Bruticus and uh, and the the one from the Stunicons, the uh, was it the uh, Menasaur? Uh, yeah. And those were those were technically the '86 toys, but they came out in the Christmas season because every year they did that. There was a there was a set that they always released for Christmas. And it's usually the combiner teams or the micromasters, and that's that's what they did. And then I think the other reason they did that is so that it wasn't so jarring when season three came around and all the characters were gone. We're all I was like, oh, dead. Look, there are these guys. Uh, remember these guys that were in a couple episodes at the end of season two? It, it makes it less jarring. Yeah, it makes yeah. it less jarring than everyone you know and loved was dead. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. This is your host, Ben, joined by my co-host, Peeves Mastrion. Roulette. <laughs> and tonight we are talking about Dirty Pair, uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, animes ever. It was uh, originally started as a light novel, which is basically a, a short written book that has occasional illustrations in it that was out of Japan. And light novels is something that was really popular in Japan that really never took off here. It's, I can't really think of an example of a light novel in the U.S. Neil? No, I can't really think of it. It was, uh, when it came out here in America as uh, direct-to-VHS movies, uh, they were among the very first anime I had ever seen. And up to that point, uh, I was I was really getting into drawing, but I was drawing all these all these girls, you know, inspired by the people I hate now, like uh, guys like Jim Lee that I think are total hacks. But I thought they were pretty good back then. And then I saw this, and I'm like, oh, man. You I'm, got it all I'm, wrong. I, yeah, I'm getting I'm drawing girls all wrong, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they're a little shorter than they normally would. They're a little fatter, not not like. Well, they're not, more they're more uh, solidly built. I would yeah, say. Yeah, they're more solidly built, and uh, they're well, just. Well, they cute. are based off wrestlers, so. Yeah, sort of. That, that's kind of a funny story. Uh, it was there was a wrestling organization called uh, the Three WA, which was like the women's wrest. Women's World Wrestling Association or something like that. And there was a team called the Beauty Pair. And the guy who wrote the light novels was attending a wrestling event. He said something about, what if they were called the Dirty Pair or something like that? And and that's how he got the idea <laughs> to, do the, to do the characters. Yeah, and what I love is just, you know... It's, it's just really funny that in Japan, that, you know, a light novel is turned into an anime... And it's only recently that that there that there's a, a proper dirty pair 
manga. It's over in the U.S. Uh, we got Dirty Pair Conks before the Japanese did. It's a by by Adam Warren. Yes, it was another influence on me. I realized I was drawing girls all wrong. <laughs> and it. You know, Adam Warren was as influential to Dirty Pair's evolution as the original Japanese creator, I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Because lots of things that he put in were added into later animated pieces. And it's, it's just really amazing how this is truly a global franchise. Maybe not in an economic sense, but in an influence sense. Mm-hmm. It's It was inspired by a wrestling team in a worldwide wrestling organization. It had its first print comic in America. <laughs> and it was it was animated and in, in released in Japan. It's it, This is actually really fascinating when you really look at it this way. Mm-hmm. And of course, the original TV anime and the, the following OVAs were all animated by Sunrise, which did phenomenal work back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have not seen too much of the original show, but it, it's really cute. I'm, I'm amazed by how well animated it is. Oh, the first episode is hilarious. Basically, there's a supercomputer that's holding like a, a city in an enclosed city in a, in a tower hostage, mm-hmm. and uh, and Kay was able to uh, like trick it by telling it, "Okay, if you're so smart, tell tell us who's hotter, me or Yuri." So this the supercomputers who designed the function and, and control all the life, all all the life giving necessi- necessities in this building is like using all these resources to like uh, figure out which of the dirty pair is hotter and while they figure out how to blow them up. And it it also has that sci-fi animation style that I really like. How uh, you know how it's like this techno paradise where everything's just you know covered in buttons and glowing and flashing and beeping and it's i love i love those cartoons and it's not it's not like uh like ghost in the shell you know five or six years later that was one of the first animes where i was legitimately disappointed in what i saw this with the dirty pair was like yes this is this is what japanese animation is all about yeah it's it's just really cute it, it never takes itself too seriously and what I love is just how, you know, the whole planet get devastated, but nothing happens to our lovely angels. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's like Calamity follows them wherever they go. Like Calamity Jane, but cuter. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So let's talk a little bit about the plot. Uh, they, they, of course, belong to the 3WA organization, and uh, I'll let Neil take it from here. Yeah, they're, they're troubled consultants. They're very young. They're like... 19-year-old girls basically sent out to, uh, you know, to go out and solve some mysteries, catch a few bad guys, occasionally go out on a rescue mission, and uh, usually they cause a lot of trouble. And Yeah, people die unintentionally wherever they go. It's like, and it's never their fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's like something just unforeseen happens and it causes mass genocide. Yeah, except for those two. Yeah. In fact, in the episode we just saw, they were uh, they were on a on an elevator on the outside of a building, and like this police this flying police car catches up with them, and they're talking to the dirty pair, and what they and they lose track of where they are, and they end up crashing. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just some of the best humor, and the and the animation keeps up with the writing, and 
I have a theory that Dirty Pair is the origin of the of the term cheesecake because there's this one episode that where where the uh, preview for the episode the previous episode was talking about though and be prepared for cheesecake in the next episode and in that episode they have to like catch a cat or something going to a going to like a cheesecake restaurant hmm. but it's just my theory that just because of the mention of cheesecake over and over again is where the connotation of cheesecake meaning just gratuitously sexy art came from. It might be. I don't know. Well, that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. So let's talk about the characters themselves, Kay and Yuri. Uh, Kay, of course, is the hot-tempered uh, tomboy, and and uh, Yuri is somewhat hot-tempered but not quite as hot-tempered i wouldn't call her the calming influence because she isn't no <laughs> yeah Kay is the hot-headed trigger-happy redhead trouble in high heels she shoots first and asks questions later yuri is the mousy one soft-spoken feminine and generally more approachable but to balance that she also has a hinted at lesbian side which is in funny fact, because her name is yuri yeah in fact in fact i can I can think of two specific instances, <laughs> one in the American comic and one in Dirty Pair Flash. <laughs> and we have to talk about some of the other supporting characters uh, in the uh, in the in the original animated cartoon and the uh, in the original series of OVAs. Uh, Moogie was a giant, uh, large cat creature that actually flew the ship. Yeah. And but in the uh, in Flash, Moogie is like this more little, cute little, tiny, you know, like a, like a Chihuahua thing. Yeah, in Dirty Pair Flash, that that's like a sort of prequel, but it, it I don't, it's not in the same continuity, I don't think. Yeah, but still it, they have him as a kitten, and yeah. he doesn't really do much. Yeah. Yeah, and there, the, there's usually a, a chief character, but it, it it's different in each in each series. Like in one, it's it's ghouly and in another one it's uh it's garner and in fact in dirty pair of flash it starts as garner and then i think they replace him at some point yeah they did because he retired after they solved the uh, lady flair yeah. crime and uh it's just really funny looking at how the art evolved from the original dirty pair and but they kept certain elements the same mm -hmm. as you can see in this illustration that we're going to have it on our post on the show that was on the original light novel neil oh i think I, yeah that picture <laughs> not a fan that's really that's really bizarre for me i don't know what it is it's very <laughs> 70s that's I, how they were originally drawn in 1979 <laughs> uh, there's elements of it that i like yeah you don't see girls drawn like this anymore in japan no which is kind of a shame. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's the silver space bikinis that Neil's a big fan of. I like I I like the animated bikinis better. Oh, in the in the novels they had I think they had psychic abilities. And one yeah, of the they movies, did in the novels, yeah. In one of the movies they did too, uh a fair on Nolandia, they had they had psychic abilities. Cool. Yeah, speaking so, of speaking of which, uh the reason why we're doing this is that as you're listening to this, they've just released uh, the DVD box set of the three Dirty Pair movies. And on this box set, they have not only the ADV English dub, but also the Streamline Pictures English dub. And the Streamline Pictures English dub is so much better. Because uh, whoever they got for K at, on ADV, um, I don't know what they were shooting for. I think they were maybe going for like 
like camp value, like whoever whoever decided to Pamela cast this. Lower, by the way. Yeah, I think Matt Greenfield must have just watched Hard Ticket to Hawaii. With all these parties going on, why are we working on a night like this? I just want to go in with a frontal attack. It's more my style. All right, Calabunga! Hey, wait, come back! This shutter is just too damn thick. Ugh, sounds like two meters worth. All right, you son of a bitch. You won't get away. Let's finish off this son of a bitch. Let's escalate this war. They have these girls acting like like B movie actresses trying to be trying to sound tough but really not sounding that way at all. Pamela Lorb was the voice actress for for Kay in the uh, ADV in the streamline was Laura Cody. Yeah, who is a lot better. She actually sounds legitimately pissed off. And, well, that's because they showed her her paycheck. <laughs> and I've said before that there would be no Decian without the dirty pair. Kay kind of talks like a guy in the streamline dub, not just in the jargon she uses, but the way she swears. She's always calling people assholes and shit like that. That's why the girls in and talk like that. Well, I always picture that that's how the character would be, you know, just, yeah, just she's, what I've seen. Yeah, I really think the streamlined dub got Kay right. It, it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but of course, Neil, an Adam Warren fanboy as he is, also has a lot to talk about from the Adam Warren comics. It's a, you know, there's just tons of humor in it. And Adam Warren has this lovely style. Yeah, and he made it even more cyberpunk, which I didn't think it was possible. the The cartoon already had flying cars for Christ's sake. He has it so that so that they have like nano machines and 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 neural implants and plugins and all this crap and space bikinis. Yeah, space bikinis that are like uh, it's like living tissue that just kind of forms into the bikinis that they're wearing and. And that's kind of how he do, he gets around explaining how these how this clothing doesn't fall off them because <laughs> in the later comics they're actually open in the front. Yeah, I actually like I actually like the art when he was, uh, you know, when when they were uh, when there was material in the front. Yeah, I yeah, mean I think, this one picture is my favorite actually of of his uh, run. I think the comic peaked at uh, at Sim Hal. And that's that. Oddly enough, that's the one where nobody dies. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah because they're trapped inside of a computer for the entire story. Mm. So they're they're destroying things and killing one person after another. Of course, it's all virtual, so uh, nobody actually dies. And that's the first that's the first time that we see Sleet. He was this kind of uh, long-haired, sleazy-looking guy who has like. I don't know how to describe. He's got like Coke bottle glasses, but they're kind of, you know, fixed onto his face. Mm. Yeah, really see, weird gadgets in the in these comics. See, I like Fatal but Not Serious, except for the ending, <laughs> because to to me the whole idea is the whole idea is nothing bad happens to the lovely angels. Bad things can happen to everybody else, but not the lovely angels. And yeah, I know it's you know shouldn't take it too seriously, but still like. That kind of felt wrong to me. Yeah, that's why it's called Fatal but Not Serious, because Yuri dies. <laughs> but, the, but the clone lives. And the clone <laughs> thinks that it's Yuri, so no harm, no foul. Oh, God. Yeah, we just gave away the ending, which is, which uh, is uh, where we, one we of those... We gave away the ending for, uh, for a comic from 1995. Yeah, I know. but Yeah, it's one of those Adam Warren fucked up endings where, you know, you think everything's all hunky-dory and... And she takes the bandages off, and she's got the the biofoil tattoos that only the clone had, 
And it's like, oh shit, <laughs> the wrong one lived. Oh, God. I still have an issue with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it was funny. But yeah, it's, uh, like I said, there is actually going to be a proper Dirty Pair manga now. Yeah. Haven't seen anything uh, from that yet, but just that news is great, and we got that from our friend Adam Warren. Yeah. Well, quote-unquote friend. He he only responded to, like, one or two emails that I had sent him. So, <laughs> associate, maybe, or I don't know what else to say. Special correspondent? Yeah, special correspondent. We'd like to be his friend. We just don't actually know him. Yeah, yeah, we should go and ask him, would he be our special friend? I don't think he would respond to that. Uh, Animaniacs reference. Everyone loves Animaniacs. But yeah, it's, uh, this series is great. It's it's just, it's just, you know, when the action starts, it's just nonstop action in the animation. And they do great action animation. I mean, it could be the silliest thing, like trying to find a cat or... Or something else equally as asinine, but then all of a sudden there's like all these gangs and explosions and 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 robots and, and spaceships and all this other fucked up shit and it doesn't stop. Like the first episode of Dirty Pair Flash where they, they have to get like a like a credit card or some credit, some card that has information on the magnetic strip. I thought the first episode of Flash was them having to walk to work. Uh no. They, the first episode was them was the one where they were trying to trying to get get back to uh, 3WA headquarters and they, they had to cut through Splattertown. That's right. They were trying to get to work and then uh, I remember this because because uh, there was this guy who had a car like a sports car that turned into a transformer and he yeah. was really proud of that. Yeah. And, and he ruined his car. Yeah, and well, at one point it just transforms and they're running after the dirty pair and one guy is like. This is impractical. <laughs> and then the other guy, the owner of the car shouts, shut up, it's popular, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually hilarious. And really the whole the whole guts of the story is about the friendship, the com- camaraderie between Kay and Yuri. Yeah. And the very, very subtle lesbian undertones of, the, of their relationship. The, the funny thing is the early stuff doesn't, practically doesn't even have any of that it's as the series goes on is when they start putting more and more of that in there yeah because let's be honest very early on both of them were actively like going after men yeah a lot they were like they were like man hungry yeah and that's an element that i think would be it'd be sad if that ever went away because that's actually funny because i know girls like that that are just like so up for it that they'll fight each other over guys yeah well the thing is you know yuri is much more coy but k is like hey i like you let's go yeah adam warren works that into, into a lot of his comics uh there's one where k has a vr helmet on and she's going after yuri in the, in the simulation and because yuri ate the last of the ice cream and and she's pounding her in the face complaining about all the boyfriends that she stole from her and at the end of the comic Yuri walks into the room and sees Kay with the with the VR helmet on. And that that's actually the gag at the end. You don't realize it's a simulation. And Yuri's like, why are you cackling? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they are sometimes catty, but always cute. Yes. And, yeah, aren't they, like, roommates most of the time or some of the time, depending on the permutation and version? Yeah, they – yeah, I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, I was trying to. In some versions, they just hang out in the Lovely Angel and fly through the galaxy. But there are some where they're stationed on Earth and they share an apartment and uh, get in each other's way and annoy each other. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know we're gonna cover some more. Like, uh, Dirty Per Flash is interesting. Is you know basically a couple of years passed after the last Dirty Per uh, OVA, and they're like we want to make some new OVAs. And by then, uh, one of the original voice actors has moved out of Japan, mm-hmm. and they approach the other one. The other one says, "I'm not going to work without my original partner." So even the voice actors has had that camaraderie. Yeah. So they so they decided to make the the new version a total remake and just make it very different and you know it's the funny thing is it's only a couple of years apart yeah. you know Flash's first first uh, OVA was February 1994 and the last of the original was January 1994 Wow no actually 1990 January 1990 pardon. oh okay so there was uh, a bit of time there well four years. In animation is still some time, but it's not that much time. And the, if you watch them back to back, they look worlds apart. Yeah, and I think what had happened by then is that they saw the Adam Warren comic because it definitely seems to have uh, cribbed some stuff off of that. In fact, uh, the first storyline about Lady Flair that is a direct rip of the second. Dirty Pair Saga by Adam Warren, where they have, where they're interacting with a with a rogue angel called Shasti, mm. and it's it's almost the same story where like where like her old partner dies and she turns evil and she's after the Dirty Pair, and there's a rivalry with Kay. Actually, what I liked about about the Lady Flair is they showed a flashback sequence of Lady Flair holding her partner when she was. When she was Iris, holding her partner Molly, doing like the cliffhanger hold. Yeah. And uh, the art style like instantly changed in this flashback to look a little bit more dirty, a little bit more eighties. Yeah, and they're clearly like the old, the old style dirty pair. Yeah, they 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 drew them to look kind of like Yuri and Kay, not exactly, but if you if you if you do, you knew. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's got the the headband. The, yeah, she's got the headband and the bob haircut. So yeah. And, and it was shot in, like, a set via tone, so you don't know anything about hair color, yeah. And, uh, you know, Flash is a lot more interesting. You know, Flash had a lot more, uh, you know, Flash had uh, Kay and Yuri outright hate each other at first. Yeah, which is kind of how I prefer it. You, you, there, there has to be a rivalry between them. You can't have them as, as buddies, because then it's boring. Well, almost boring. They're They're still wearing space bikinis. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, Flash is is pretty cute. It's it like I said, it's just such a weird thing that four years doesn't seem much chronologically speaking, or even for animation studios. But four years is a lot for Sunrise. Mm-hmm. It's like the look just totally is different, and and the style and in the and the quirks in the animation are completely different. It's it's a whole new team, I, I imagine. Yeah, it it. Looks like a completely different production. And Flash is pretty good. I enjoyed the uh, first two and a half OVAs. The final part of, of Mission Three, where they're like living on this uh, on this like uh, resort planet, and they have to be Japanese schoolgirls, and then they live. That's in a... Mission Two. That's Mission Two. Yeah, the, Mission Three is the one where it's just like 
random episodes. Okay, Mission 2. I did not like that part of Mission 2. The first part of Mission 2 I liked, but the part where they had to be Japanese schoolgirls and and uh, and live in this tiny apartment, that I did not enjoy. It's, it felt very non-dirty pair for me. Yeah, Mission 2, the first episode and the last episode are really what the story is about, and then the three episodes in the middle are just kind of throwaway stories. Yeah. One, one of them is the one where Yuri shows her uh, occasional taste for bearded clam. Mm. For the whole storyline, they're protecting this computer programmer who's looking for the computer bug that's in the Future World Amusement Park. And this character in one episode starts falling in love with this flower girl in the park. And he's got Yuri helping him. And this flower girl is like, that girl you're with, you aren't seeing her, are you? Oh, good, you're not. So he thinks that the flower girl is interested in him. And it turns out she's had a crush on Yuri and <laughs> she runs up to Yuri. She's like, Oh, I'm so in love with you. You're, you're so cool and great. Can we go out? And the big payoff after the revelation is that they're back at the apartment and Kay is just laughing her ass off. Meanwhile, Yuri is getting dressed up and she's like, would you stop? She'll be here any minute. Oh. And I'm like, oh, it, it, <laughs> it just blatantly implied that she's like going for it. Wow. Yeah. It's, was this was the, yeah the third one had like the stuff with like Kay and the baby and and stuff yeah that which was was, kinda... was was also kind of weak too yeah those stories those are the ones I, re- I remember the least I yeah. should have watched those but I didn't really have time no it's like let's go back to the original because the original is hilarious and the original has has a lot more you know action packed stories that's the, that's the one thing it's like well okay the lovely angels are here what's gonna happen next explosions why we don't know. It just does. Exactly. Well, talk about one of the movies. Uh, there's one called uh, Flight 005 Conspiracy, and I think that's the first one I saw. And that, that was actually the last one. Yeah, and that's the one where uh, there's the scene where I don't know what the hell they're doing, but Kay, Kay is reading this this document that's written in German, and she's reading it going going all the way down, and then then she's like, Yuri, do you know what this means? And then Yuri just kind of shoots a look at her, and she's like. Yeah, it means your German's great, and that's actually not a line that's in that's in the original J- Japanese. That's in the streamlined dub. That's the sign of a good dub. Yeah, that's. I think Carl Basic really understood what this was about. It was like these these two girls with with the sense of humor and like just shooting nasty lines at each other back and forth. Whereas the ADV dub is just kind of dry and doesn't have anything like that. And that's where, a real shame. Where it's basically where it's basically a literal translation and yeah, it's like. And, like yeah. I said, it was like Matt Greenfield saw Hard Ticket to Hawaii or something. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, yeah. And uh, here it is. Episode four is the uh, yeah is the cheesecake episode. Pursuit has a smell of cheesecake and death. <laughs> so, and yeah, twenty six episodes technically. Oh yeah, wasn't it like the last two didn't actually air? Yeah, the last two were released later as an OVA. Yeah, that's kind of weird because twenty six is the usual. Is, number is the it. Japanese magic number. America are magic number 65 and Japan magic number 626. Yeah. That is very strange. And then there's 10 OVA episodes, which are also uh, translated into English by ADV. And those are a little better. Those are the ones that have Jessica Cavello as Yuri, and she's pretty good. Hmm, good. Good. So let's see what we got. Uh, we have... Just a great series of episodes. We have 26 original episodes, eight light novels. Uh, how many mm-hmm. volumes of the uh, Adam Warren comic? 
there are five volumes, and if you get the if you get like the special editions or reprints or whatever they're called, they usually have like bonus comics in them, like like the V the VR one that I was talking about. That's a bonus comic, and uh, I think it's in like the the first or second volume. Yeah, uh, Project Eden. Yeah, and uh, Flash, of course, and an upcoming manga. Yes. So we basically have a lot of Dirty Pair for Dirty Pair fans. And if you aren't fans, what's wrong with you? Become one. This is the way I think anime should be remembered. It's just this this love for like for like uh, sci-fi and you know obviously borrow, borrowing from stuff like uh, Blade Runner and uh, and the Terminator and you know anything that has robots and uh, and flying cars and control panels with buttons on you know all those things uh dirty pair borrows from all of that but it's great i love i love cartoons like this and i hate the way anime has become where it's just like you know self-indulgent crap about ninjas and yeah oh neil i have to do say that i think i i haven't listened to the dub yet the streamline dub but the streamline dubs yuri is Wendy lee while the the ADV dubs is Jessica Calvello. So if there's a way you can like, you know, you know, switch the Yuri in, in the streamline, I'll be happy. That would, that would be a feat, but you know what? I'm, I'm happy with the, with the other one. So it's not, you're happy big. with Wendy Lee. Wendy Lee is fine in the, in those. She's, I thought she but, sounded okay. But Jessica Cal, Calvello, Neil. I know, I know, she's great. I know he, she was handpicked by uh, Gona Guy to be uh, to be cutie honey, but you know, there are other good voice actresses. Wendy Lee's fine. Uh, I've heard some pretty bad stuff, Neil. Oh, so she, <laughs> so she did uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth, you know. Oh well. <laughs> so. Wow, she was actually in a lot of stuff, Wendy Lee. You know, yeah, she's uh, high in demand. Lots of lots of little boy voices. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Actually, I might have to re-appraise her. Her Faye in Cowboy Bebop, Bebop was actually pretty good. See? Okay, okay. I, I take it back. I take it back. Sorry, Wendy Lee. So what we have is just a huge body of work that everyone can love, right? Right. And everyone should love. Yeah. And hopefully, maybe one of these days, Adam Warren will pick up the pen once more and uh, give us another saga. But I don't think that's going to happen. It might. It, it is Adam Warren, after all. He, he won't leave us out in the dark. But if you do it, Adam Warren, switch back to your old faces. We, we, we love the stuff from Dangerous But Not Serious and Sim Hell and those and that style, the the newer stuff, the one that you did for uh, Run from the Future. Yeah, Run from the Future. That one wasn't bad, but it was getting into the territory of the frog face. He said it, not me. <laughs> Draw noses. <laughs> but seriously, Adam Warren, even if you don't draw noses, you're still leagues ahead of uh, Jim Lee. Oh yeah, by far. By far. So, anything else we can add on Dirty Pair, Neil? I think that's going to be pretty much it. Okay, well, this was our Dirty Pair episode. Uh, just look forward to when we do uh, Dirty Pair Flash later on, more in-depth, I should say. Yeah, that'll probably be in July when the DVD set releases. Like I said, the the movie set just came out 
today if you're listening to it. And next month will be the OVA set that'll have the the ten extra episodes. Awesome. I think there I think there's already a set of of the uh, of the original series. Obviously, it's not dubbed, but you know some people don't care. So if you want to pick that up, go for it. All right. Well, this is Ben with TV Mr. Neil. And we're saying goodnight. Goodbye. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No. 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TFG1 Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! Looks like you're gaining a little weight. Maybe you should get a larger size for that new uniform. Cork it. It's just the white color making me look voluptuous. By the way, is it true we get to go surfing on our next mission? That's the word. But surfing is kid stuff. You really like it? Are you such an old woman you can't enjoy the thrill? Dirty pair, prison uprising, or I hate people with grudges. I wonder who you might be talking about. You. Who else?
And now, some bonus audio with our buddy Pablo Prano. Let, let's just, I'll be honest, as you go get past Damon Wayne, you're going downhill. Because yeah. Damon Wayne started moves with Bruce Willis. That's a... Yeah, he did. I mean, how does Marlon Wayans keep getting work? Hmm. Wow. No idea. Friends in high places? Yeah. I, I, I'm I almost tempted to say that I can't believe they, they seriously cast ever for the Dungeons & Dragons movie, but then, you know, <laughs> considering how, how terrible that movie was all around, you know, maybe maybe that was the best they could get. You know, everyone else who was good in Hollywood was like, oh, hell no. Hollywood. And then, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeremy Irons, you know, you know, probably slipped on a banana peel while reading the script, hit his head and was like, wait, what was, what was I reading? Oh, oh, Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, that's that sounds like a good movie. And then signed on and didn't realize what he had done. What have I done? Yeah, because he, he phoned that that performance in so much either that or it was like it was like uh raul julia in the street fighter movie he was just like i'm gonna ham this up so much and make <laughs> if it i'm going down this movie's going down with me yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately they threw him into scenes with thora birch who was the exact opposite with all the overacting he did she underacted <laughs> yeah <laughs> The Marvel originally animated movies are shit. I'm I'm looking at some of it some of it right now. It's it's all shit. It's it's uh, what is this? Did they actually have? Did they actually do the the, the Maestro storyline? Because because I'm looking at this clip, it looks like Maestro fighting Ultron. What's this from? Uh that's probably Next Avengers. Was that Maestro? No, I think it was just old Bruce Banner. Okay, it's a. Uh, if you don't know about Maestro, Neil, I'll tell you. Maestro was a storyline that Hulk fans love, even though it's shit. It's a, basically there's this evil old Hulk from an alternate dimension who uh, who goes back in time to fight the real Hulk because I don't know. Anyways, uh, it was written by Peter David. That's why people like it. Anyways, uh, Maestro is fighting old Hulk and then they fight back in time they keep traveling through time and they finally get to the explosion that created the Hulk and that's the thing that kills Maestro hmm. well no it's not Maestro it's just plain old Hulk just it's old and pissed uh, it's uh, because by the end of the movie uh, they one of the Ultron killed all the other Avengers the only two that are alive are you know Hulk and uh, and Iron Man. Iron Man is kidnapped. The new kids want to get to Hulk so that he can, you know, beat the crap out of Ultron. And the thing they do is the the son of Wasp and Ant-Man goes and annoys the hell out of Bruce Banner until he gets angry and turns into the Hulk and goes there, beats the shit out of Ultron, and then looks at, you know, this kid and, and says something like, uh, You know bother Hulk again! He's like, okay. And then he just grabs Betty and jumps away. And that's the last you see of him. That's He's the deus ex machina of the... That, that's, of the that's kind of really, really stupid. Well, it's still one of the best uh, animated movies that Marvel made direct to video. I, I was surprised. I was and, uh, waiting. And you can say you can say that the a finger painting was the best one done by a retarded kid. That doesn't make it Picasso. Well, actually, I know how Neil feels about Picasso. So, yeah, I was uh, not a good example. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the, yeah, Neil, uh, watch this clip. It's not badly animated, but it's not exactly wowing me either. Lots of the art direction is really weird. Oh, wow. What? Oh, God. 
but the thing that just kind of came out of the sky that just kind of descended down that was really bad because you know as stuff gets closer to the camera you have to change the perspective a little just because or else it looks like you're sliding frames yeah and that's exactly what it was doing it was sliding frames it's kind of like it's kind of like that shot in the in the opening of wildcats where they jump off a building and it, it looks like a cardboard cutout falling toward the camera wildcats. because wildcats. they never because they didn't bother animating that properly What's up with that, like, 38-pack the Hulk has? That looks like shit. God, and that's the best Marvel did, huh? I'm not saying that it's the best, but it's among them. I mean, compared to the other animations and art directions and art choices they went with, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I was expecting something way crappier. You are expecting uh, Ultimate Avengers. Yeah, sort of. It's... Uh, uh, this this was the third uh, direct-to-video Avengers movie they did. So when they said now they're we're going with their kids, I was like, what? Really? And so this was going to suck so bad. But then it just you know it's average and good at some parts. So I, I was amazed. It was oh really? They didn't screw this up that bad. They they cut everything to make this one awful awful movie. But they didn't screw this up that bad. Well, oh, it's because, you know, I tell you, I was expecting something very horrid, and I got, you know, something that was just right. Uh, for the sort of story they were trying to tell, I believe they went with the right choices. Except maybe for the whole Hulk being the one that most responsible for Ultron's defeat. Uh, it does it make sense, though, Basically, they because made, it's, basically yeah, what, they did, what they did to the Hulk was they made him go full retard. Oh, when he goes full. <laughs> they get him pissed off and they made him go full retard on Ultron's ass. That was their plan. Pretty much, yeah. At least they didn't think they could take on Ultron after he killed all their parents. Uh, I know. I, I, I just I just love the go full retard thing because it's it's just so funny. It's like, you don't you never go full retard. Never go full <laughs> retard. Autistic, yes. Retard, no. Sean Penn went full retard. He went back home empty-handed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forrest Gump, a little slow, but, you know, he turned the pants off Nix, and he, uh, for hero, he, he's no retard. It's, uh, you know, Shine, though, that, 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 guy's a, that guy's a little autistic, you know, genius, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, Sean Penn, uh, you know, you know, I am I am Sam. He went full retard, went home empty-handed. He never go full retard. Yeah, that's true. As soon as you go full retard, you don't win anything. If if you're if you if you are like you know, not full retard, you don't mess up. Such well. is the way of the Oscars and the Academy. Yeah. Well, this show is just the Hulk is so bad. What was the explanation for Gray Hulk again? Uh, in the cartoon, uh, they went with. Uh, after they make some sort of separation of the Hulk from Bruce Banner, and that Hulk part sort of gets fused with Rick Jones. Yes. Uh, Bruce Banner still has uh, another Hulk inside of him, which is a different part of you know the ego, super ego, and stuff like that, which is the Gray Hulk, which is smarter. It is also a nod to the original Hulk because the original, the Hulk, Hulk, was, was the original Hulk was gray and only turned into the Hulk at night. Did you know about that? Uh, they they went with green after that because the gray wasn't printing right. It, was not, or something. it wasn't printing yep. right. They 
the, as as you know, printers are CMYK, and they couldn't get the K to, uh, you know, down at a transparency level that was satisfactory. So they went with green. Because um, it's, easy they, to mix, it's easy to mix a C with Y. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's how we got uh, Green Hulk and Grey Hulk. And now there's Red Hulk. And, and, uh, so. and the reason why there's purple pants is because it's mostly M with a little bit of C. And it's a complementary color. That's why we get so many green monsters wearing purple. Well, like but, the green but, the, but the purple pants. Yeah, that's how you go. they go with that. Even Beetle is green with purple. Yeah. Be thankful it's not a green thong. <laughs> 